Shri Krishna Shaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Girdhavasadi Gaurabhakti As the weeks progress, we're going to continue to dive into Shri Shri Shikshastika. We will never reach the end of a full understanding of these eight verses. These verses in and of themselves uh, hold the key to all the conclusions of the Vedic information. We can unpack these verses unlimitedly to get a glimpse at the meaning. So in the last couple of weeks we've we discussed the first line and then the second line and in going over the first two lines uh, what we have here is uh, four basic benedictions that are made available to humanity if they take advantage of this simple process of chanting the Lord's names for purification, which is Sankirtan, and specifically chanting together, chanting in, in a group, very effective. In fact, Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu has stated unequivocally uh, that there's no truly effective way at self-realization in this age, that means at this time of mankind, than this chanting. Harinama, 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 Eva ki, Balo, Kalo, Nastyeva, Nastyeva, Nastyeva. Three times he, he emphasizes. Gatryadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadad
predicament that we're in. Uh, very few of us in this age are even able to contemplate spiritual advancement. This Krishna consciousness movement is a solution for everyone. It's a non-sectarian approach to self-purification that has no boundaries. It's not based on where you're born, what faith you have. None of those things come into play. This is available for everyone, and it's freely distributed. And it's full of all benediction, all good fortune for us. In the last two weeks, we've discussed four items of good fortune, four benedictions that are available through participation in this Krishna consciousness movement. Sheto Darpanam Arjunam. Remember? Sheto Darpanam Arjunam. Our consciousness is polluted, just like the Gulf. <laughs> Very polluted. And because of all the coverings, it's, it's the pure consciousness of the living entity is likened to a mirror. So the analogy is there. The mirror. Well, if the mirror is covered with dirt, grime, and dust, you can't see your reflection. You can't see yourself in the mirror. Because our consciousness is covered, we can't see our true self, our spiritual being. The first benediction that this Sankirtan movement gives is it cleans away the dirt from the mirror of our consciousness, the mirror of the mind, the mirror of the heart. That covering is removed by this Sankirtan movement. Second is the quarrel and hypocrisy we discussed a moment ago. It's just like, a, is likened, again another analogy, to a forest fire. It's out of control. So we see that when there's a great forest fire, especially in the western states, how can they contain it? It's really, it's, if there's enough wind and enough dry forest, all the firefighters fire, fire in the world are not going to be able to put it out. Luckily, after some time, circumstances change and they're able to do that. It's a very, very, very difficult task. It's not impossible without favorable circumstance. Our material life is just like that unfavorable burning forest fire of material existence. But we don't have to depend on the firefighters because this Sankirtan movement in and of itself is sufficient to drown out the fire of material existence. So if there's a great fire, if there's a torrential downpour, it's done, finished. No more struggle. It's extinguished. So similarly, the anxieties and difficulties of our material existence at this time are extinguished by this Sankirtan movement. So two benedictions just in the first line. Sheto Darpanam Arjanam, the mirror of the mind's cleansed. Bhava Maha Devagni Nirvapanam, Nirvapanam, 
extinguished is the forest fire of material existence. That analogy is there. Shreya Kairava Chandrika Vitaranam. Shreya Kairava Chandrika Vitaranam. We discussed this last week. Our true spiritual existence is compared to a, to a seedling which isn't given a good environment to grow in. Well, this Sankirtan movement allows that seed to be properly nourished and to grow. It allows our true spiritual identity to become manifest to us. So we discussed this last week. It's, it's actually growing just by participating in this movement, even unbeknownst, just like you put the seed in the ground. You may not see the sprout for some time, but it is gradually growing, and eventually you'll be able to perceive. So similarly, our true spiritual nature is allowed to grow, is nourished by this Sankirtan movement. Shreya Kairava Chandrika Vitaranam. And as we mentioned, it's like moon rays. Like moon rays. The moon nourishes and gives succulent flavor to all the fruits and vegetables that we enjoy. And it's unknown to us how this happens. But it happens. Similarly, it's, un, it's not visible to us. It may not be known to us how this Sankirtan movement nourishes the seedling of our true spiritual existence and brings it into full fruition over time. Vidyavadu Jivanam. Vidyavadu Jivanam. Anybody remember? The wife, the life of the wife of knowledge. The life, the life force, the energy of the wife. They say behind every good man is a good woman. So the life of that good woman, the life of the wife of knowledge, comes by participating in this Sankirtan movement, by in taking advantage of this chanting. What does this mean? Knowledge, vidya. It means that irrespective of our intellectual capacity, even we have no intellectual capacity, independent of that, spiritual knowledge is awakened in our heart. We don't have to be a big brain. We don't have to have a PhD in religious science. We don't have to study a comparative religion. None of those things are required. Simply by participating in the Sankirtan movement, the life of the wife of knowledge will nurture our knowledge of spiritual existence. And we will understand things free of any misconception. And in this existence, at this time, in this age, everybody has their own conception. This religion and that religion, and they're always fighting. Sometimes to the... To the they go all the way to killing each other over their conception of God. 
My God is the real God. Your God is not. In a non-sectarian manner, without fighting, all those misconceptions are harmonized and we can in together, sankirtan, sankirtan means together, irrespective of our individual backgrounds, participate and all advance in this Krishna consciousness. So tonight, Anandam Bhuti Vardhanam. So Ananda, well, who here doesn't know what Ananda is? Ananda, okay. Ananda, somebody can explain. What is Ananda? Bliss. But not, not, the, not the enjoyment that we have on the material plane. Not like the enjoyment of the senses. Ananda means spiritual enjoyment. Anandam buddhi vadanam. Ananda of bliss. Ambuddhi, the ocean. Vadanam. Increases. What's it mean? The bliss of our spiritual intelligence, the ocean of spiritual of spiritual awakening is ever increasing. Now that's that's a big distinction between what we are accustomed to in this plane of existence. Pleasurely, pleasure here generally hits a wall. Can only go so far. No matter what it is, it's not it's always limited by this environment. I can only enjoy so much fame. I can only enjoy so much. Just name it. Name it. Whatever it is. On this plane, with these senses, in this material body, our pleasure, our happiness is limited. It's not ananda. Ananda means that in that pleasure which is unlimited. Anandam buddhi vadanam. Like an ocean. Buddhi. Anandam buddhi vadanam. Ever increasing. Now, if you want to have pleasure, you want to, that's the kind of pleasure you want. <laughs> it's ever increasing. You don't hit the limits. You don't hit a wall and say that's as... That's the, I'm never going to be more famous than I am right now. Mick Jagger is ne that's it. He's hit it. He's not going to be any more famous. Now, I mean, there may be some more kids born that will appreciate his fame, but he he and Keith they've hit they've hit the wall. Angeli and Brad that their their fame and their beauty that's. Well, it's starting to go down the other side. They've hit, they've hit the limit. There'll be other people coming in their wake that'll, you know, take up the slack. But for them, well, they're they probably there. Anandam Bhutivadanam. This ocean of pleasure, spiritual enjoyment, is ever increasing. Anandam Bhutivadanam. Ever increasing. Ever expanding. The ocean is ever growing. It's not going to reach some limit. 
Prati Padam Punamritas Vadanam. Prati Padam, at every step. Purna, 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 perfect. Amrita, of the full nectar, perfect nectar. It's like we were talking about perfect bliss, perfect nectar. Asvadanam, giving a taste of full nectar at every step. At every step of our involvement in this Sankirtan movement, the taste becomes more relishable. Now we'll talk about tonight why that taste may not be fully appreciated at certain times due to our condition. Yes? Um, you said many times tonight, Sankirtan movement. What do you mean, Sankirtan movement? Sankirtan means we come together and we chant the names of the Lord. Uh, actually, the Sankirtan movement is comprised of, and we will discuss tonight, nine basic processes processes of pure devotional service, beginning with hearing and chanting, Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu, Smaranam Padasevanam. Later tonight we'll discuss those nine processes. Those nine processes together comprise this Sankirtan movement. I'll read a little bit from this and then we'll go to Bhagavad Gita. Different uh, explanation. Uh, this is a book called Japa by Buri John, and it's based on, uh, he kind of equates the progression in our chanting of the Lord's holy name uh, with uh, the Siksastika prayers of Sri Chaitanya. So it's, uh, Anandam Budi Vardhanam, bliss is the natural condition of the soul, which our, nat our nature is blissful, although we may not experience it because we're not in touch with our true self, our soul, uh, once we get in touch with ourself, yeah, we'll, we'll constantly be in ananda. Bliss is the natural condition of the soul. Chanting the holy names releases in the heart an ever-increasing ocean of transcendental ecstasy. Anandam budi vadanam. Pratipadam punamritas vadanam. Pratipadam, step by step, our taste, swadana, taste, swadana, becomes full, Purnam. Purnam, oh, Purnam, aha, Purnam, Perfect, complete, full. And that taste is nectarian. Amrita. We will be able to relish the nectarian taste for which the soul hankers. The soul separated from Krishna, separated from the Lord, lives in a desert. When someone lives in the desert, his tongue becomes dry, and while searching for water, he tends to follow mirages, sometimes to his death. There is no water in a desert, no way to satisfy his hankering. But the holy name is fully satisfying, and chanting it saturates the soul with the real nectar of Krishna's service. So, next week we'll complete the first verse. If there was any group of verses that you were to learn 
that would give you a, an overall well-balanced and complete understanding of the philosophy of self-realization in this age and the gradual progress that we will go through till we really reach perfection, this, these eight stanzas, stanzas of Sri Sri Shikshasika by Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu are in themselves the complete manifestation of Sambandha, the relationship between ourselves and the Lord, Abhideya, what we do to fully let that relationship blossom so that we can experience it, and Prayojana, the perfection of that blossoming, loving relationship with the Supreme. That's why I will continue to go over Shikshastika as much as I can and try to bring out as much as we can of the meaning. The great Acharyas have written books, books, Bhaktivedanta Thakur analyzes just like we're like analyzing. He's also analyzed every word. We could study his books. There's so many books. Uh, contemporary Vaishnavas have written nice books on Sikhsastika. We'll go on to Bhagavad Gita then. Bhagavad Gita, 18th chapter. Beginning of this chapter. This chapter is more or less a summary of all that's been gone over before. Krishna kind of puts it all together. And in the beginning of the chapter, Arjuna said, you, you've, you've really given me a lot of information here. Uh, one thing I need to get straight. Could you tell me? Because you've talked about you've talked about acts of devotion, working in devotion, working in the mode of goodness, and you've talked about renouncing things. Because if I'm not renounced, I'm going to get attached. If I'm going to get attached, I'm going to try to enjoy the fruits of my labor. When I enjoy the fruits of my labor, what's the result? Well, that means I get involved in, 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 in the karma of the other side of the enjoyment. Because in order to enjoy on my own behalf, there is some... There will be some reaction. So you, you've talked both of working, works of devotion, and you've talked about renunciation. So in the beginning of this 18th chapter, what's Arjuna asked? Krishna to do. Could you please explain which is best? You've, rec you've talked about renunciation, and you've talked about works without attachment. Which is best? the best course of activity. So Krishna answers the question by giving the positives of both. Both renunciation and works according to one's nature. We all have a nature in this world and generally we, we work according to that nature. Our Krishna, uh, Krishna emphatically answers the question, of the two, the renunciation, not working at all, doing nothing, is not the best. Of the two, doing work, but, give, but not being attached to the fruits of your work, 
doing your work selflessly in this world, no matter what your work may be, doesn't matter. If you're the court judge and you're condemning people to death, if you're the warrior on the battlefield killing the opposing enemies, it doesn't matter what your activity is. If you work without attachment, that's better than renunciation. In these beginning verses, uh, Krishna gives some pretty detailed knowledge about, first of all, what is action? People don't really understand what activity is in this world. We need to know what is activity. What are the factors of activity? Those factors of activity, five factors. Because most people think it's just me, right? I endeavor and I do something and that's what action is. Krishna gets a little deeper than just that. He says that's, not, that's a very incomplete understand, understanding. So five factors. Anybody remember? Time, place, endeavor, super soul, and karma. Place, close is what? Referring to what? The body. The body, very good. The worker? Us. Little bit, a little bit, the, the, the acharyas, if you remember when we discussed that that evening, actually the acharyas, one acharya says that the soul does nothing. It's the false ego that does something. And the soul is actually doesn't do anything. The other acharya said, well, how could the soul not do anything? So there's a harmony in those two. Okay? It is, it is our self that is doing something, but it is our misconception that is driving our action in the material world. The endeavor. Let me go through some endeavor. The senses. Without the senses, what work is there? I need arms, legs. I need to be able to hear, see, touch, smell, taste. The senses. Those four items. But what's the ultimately, ultimate determining fifth item of all activity? The Supreme. Yes, sir. So what is the difference between senses and body? They seem to be very similar. And I guess when, when we think about the body, we automatically think about the senses. In the context of this explanation... The body is referring to our, the living entities assuming a material body. So that's the place where we do our stuff. So that's the place and the senses are the facilities that the body gives us to do those things. And everybody has a different place. Your place is not my place. My place is not the dog's place. The dog's place is not the elephant's place. Everybody has a different place, but they all have sets of senses. 
So does that make sense of what the difference is between senses and the body? The living entity is engrossed in the material body based on karma, prior, prior activities, desires. We're giving this body whatever our consciousness is. As Krishna says, or said earlier in the Bhagavad Gita, wherever our mind is at the end of life, that will be the determining factor of our next life. So therefore, let's purify our consciousness and hopefully throw off this chain of repeated karma, samsara, repeated birth and death. That's the whole goal of, of spiritual advancement. So it's kind of like the type of body. Yes. They're tightly tied together, but there's this distinction. Does that make sense? Is that yeah. clear? Yeah. All right, so then last week. Last week, Krishna went on to explain how the modes of nature affect knowledge, action, and the worker. Knowledge, action, and the worker. So he explained knowledge in goodness, passion, and ignorance. He explained action in goodness, passion, and ignorance. And he explained the worker in goodness, passion, and ignorance. So this week he's going to go on and he's going to give a little bit more refined explanation of those things. He's going to go a little bit deeper. The same words there again, knowledge. Last week it was knowledge. But last week, knowledge was in relationship with the body. So his explanation was in relationship with the body. So in the relationship with the body, goodness, sattvic, the spirit soul was, was situated properly in the body. In other words, his conception was he is a spirit soul separate and distinct from the field of activities. He saw himself separate from the body which he was inhabiting and the senses which he was using in the world. So that was in verse 20. Verse 21, in passion, his knowledge was what? He was under the conception that he was the enjoyer of the fruits of his activities. So that, no, that body, that knowledge, was in passion, that conception, or should we say, misconception, that we're the enjoyer of this body. And then knowledge in ignorance, only existing for bodily comfort. Action, uh, working in regulation, uh, that was goodness, without attachment, no real likes or dislikes, passionate, works, action, acting in false ego, uh, being very proud of what we accomplish, not realizing the five factors of activity which influence the ultimate outcome, thinking that I'm the doer. Well, you're the doer, but you're the little teeny-weeny, bitsy, infinitesimal doer, and this whole environment is exerting its doing on your doing, the modes of material nature. So we have our little bit of desire. And in ignorance, knowledge, there's no knowledge. Whatever, whatever the activity is, there's real no concern for the outcome. It's, it's, there's no real progressive 
understanding. Uh, generally, everything in, in ignorance is, is tainted with that unfortunate result, which we call sinful, meaning that working outside of intelligence, we do a lot of dumb things and they get us in trouble. Right? That's what sinful is. It means you run the red light. It means you drink too much and drive intoxicated. It means you, you know, you go out with your, uh, your, uh, you know, best friend's wife. I mean, there's all kinds of, of things that are just, they're dumb. Yes. And unfortunately, in the eyes of religion and scripture, they're looked on as sinful and they have a bad result. A bad reaction. Bad karma. Not a pious result. They're not going to lead to enlightenment. They're not going to lead to enjoyment of life. So motive ignorance is like that. No, no positive direction. And then the worker was also reviewed. So this week, starting with verse 29, there's a refinement of what knowledge is. Now, in verses 30, 31, and 32... Krishna is going to talk about intelligence as it relates to making a distinction between right and wrong action. So the first discussion of knowledge in verses 20, 21, and 22 was related to how we see ourselves within the material body. Now, in verses 30, 31, and 32, Krishna is refining it to how do we see what we do, that knowledge. So let's look at that. So I was thinking we'll chant verse 30. We'll send a preta, that understanding by which one knows what ought to be done and what ought not to be done, what is to be feared and what is not to be feared. What is binding and what is liberating is in the mode of goodness. Purport. Performing actions in terms of the directions of the scriptures is called pravriti, or executing actions that deserve to be performed. And actions which are not so directed are not to be performed. One who does not know the scriptural directions becomes entangled in the actions and reactions of work, understanding which discriminates by intelligence is situated in the mode of goodness. I have to read that last line a couple times. Understanding which discriminates by intelligence. In other words, that understanding which discriminates using your intelligence is situated in the mode of goodness. Pavritim cha nivritim cha karya karye baya baye mandam moksham cha ya vidi budi Sa, Partha, Saki. Son of Prita, that understanding by which one knows what ought to be done and what ought not to be done, what is to be feared and what is not to be feared, what is binding and what is liberating is in the mode of goodness. I mean, Krishna just kind of packs it all into one little verse. Pavritimcha, Nirvritimcha, Pravriti. Pravriti Marg, Navriti Marg. The path of activity, the path of renunciation. All right, so verse 29 is where this week's little group of verses begins. 
a winner of wealth. Now please listen as I tell you in detail of the different kinds of understanding and determination according to the three modes of material nature. Well, Sanaprita, that understanding by which one knows what ought to be done and what ought not to be done, what is to be feared and what is not to be feared, what is binding and what is liberating is in the mode of goodness. So Sanaprita, that understanding which cannot distinguish between religion and irreligion, between action that should be done and action that should not be done is in the mode of passion. That understanding which considers in irreligion to be religion and religion to be irreligion, which under the spell of illusion and darkness and strives always in the wrong direction, O Partha, is in the mode of ignorance. Any questions? We're talking about activity here. Activity done for our, within this environment, for our betterment, for our enjoyment, or in illusion. So when we can distinguish what is good for us and what is bad for us, what will create a very pleasant atmosphere for us, free from fear and anxiety, and what is going to end up creating a very difficult situation for us, a fearful situation. What are we talking about when we talk about a fearful situation? What is the epitome of fearful situations to all of us? Yes. Yes. No disagreement. It's out there. It's, it's that door that you just don't know what's on the other side. You don't know what's there for you. Can you imagine coming to a state of fearlessness in your existence? Well, that's the second benediction of Lord Chaitanya's movement. He puts out the fire of material existence. Well, when the fire's out, the fear's gone. I'm not going to be burned out. I'm not going to be destroyed. The body, ah, the body's like a car. It's going to get in a wreck. If it doesn't get in a wreck, it's going to wear out. And there's only so much you can do to replace the parts. Eventually, all the scientific advancement in the world, you're not going to replace that last part that breaks fast enough to keep yourself going. They're getting better at it. They're getting better all the time, but they're never going to conquer over death. And we can read in Bhagavatam of many, many, many great souls, mystics, yogis, determined beyond comprehension. So much so they would live in one body for thousands upon thousands of years through their mystic power and opulence. And yogic siddhas, they would live. But still, ultimately, they're forced out. When we know what to do and what to avoid, what is truly to be feared and how to become fearless, what will keep us? Bandham. What's bandham? Yes. Bondage. Bandham. And what's the next word? Moksham. Moksham. 
liberation. When we know what is going to keep us tied down on this material plane of activity and, and stifle us, our spiritual growth, that bondage, when we see those activities which are going to keep us in material existence, that's good knowledge to have. And when we know those activities which will release us from that bondage and give us liberation, those two things go together. That is knowledge of activity in the mode of goodness. When we don't know what to do or what not to do, that's in the mode of passion. And when we don't care what we do, that's in the mode of ignorance. Now, determination. Krishna's talked about activities based on intelligence and goodness, passion, and ignorance. Now, starting with verse 33, O son of Frita, that determination. Yes, sir. Can I have a question for the previous verses? Yes. So in the 31st and 32, in the regard to religion, we said that in the 31st, the passion is characterized that someone cannot uh, distinguish between religion and irreligion. And in the ignorance, in verse 32, it said that uh, considers irreligion to be religion and religion to be irreligion. It seems like they are very close. We cannot recognize it's very easy to take one for other and other for, for one. So, it's just like, to me, it's not like very clear distinction. There's not a lot of clear distinction when we look at the influence of the modes of material nature. They're always in competition. But there's a subtle difference here that Krishna's pointing out. Can I explain it? Yep. I don't yes. know. <laughs> Can I explain the, the subtle difference? That's what you want me to do. Yeah, put me in the corner and, uh, you know. All right. What is religion? That understanding which cannot distinguish between religion and irreligion. Between action that should be done and action that should not be done is in the mode of passion. Religion, a dharma. Dharma and a dharma. What ought to be done what ought not to be done imperfectly ajanati knows moody intelligence okay that understanding which considers irreligion to be religion and religion to be irreligion under the spell of illusion and darkness and strives always in the wrong direction of partha is in the mode of ignorance a couple things come to mind first of all those in the mode of passion they can't distinguish between religion and irreligion. In the mode of passion, one believes that religious advancement is for their betterment without any conception of the ultimate loving service that is experienced in true spiritual life. They confuse the two. They don't see the objective as being detachment from everything and complete absorption in spiritual activity on the transcendental platform. To them, 
the ir- what is from the transcendentalist viewpoint, irreligion is their objective. They want to advance to the heavenly planets. They want to enjoy life to the fullest by utilizing the referred to as karma kanda, the karma kanda sections of the scriptures, specifically the Vedas, give us a prescription as to what to do to enjoy life. They consider that to be religion. So there's not the distinguish. It doesn't. So a person that is um, that can't distinguish between you know religion and irreligion maybe uh, doesn't understand the highest goal. Kind of like we were talking about earlier today, spirituality. We see spirituality as advancement to the ultimate goal of a loving exchange with the Lord and his associates. That's our spirituality. The spirituality of one influenced by the mode of passion, that's not his aspiration. His aspiration is to use religion for personal upliftment so that he can better his life. I'll use God as long as it serves my purposes. I'll follow his religion, his scriptures, his directions, as long as I get the good wife, I get the good son, I get the good job, I get the good advancement. In my next life, I can assure that I'm going to go to a heavenly atmosphere where I can live longer and joy and prosper. Someone had a question. I was at my great uncle's uh, memorial service last week, and the, uh, it was in a Christian church, and he was saying that God wants us to enjoy the fruit of our labor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and enjoy they do. Well, so they're accepting what we, from according to Bhagavad Gita, we're seeing that true spirituality means something which is entirely separate from trying to enjoy the fruits of our labor. We want to give the fruit of our labor in love because why? What's love give us? Ananda, right? Unending happiness which has an unlimited ocean. It doesn't have any bounds. And Amrita, at every moment we're in drinking a pleasurable intoxicating beverage of loving spiritual exchange not like the enjoying the fruits of the labor which always hits a boundary yes ma'am another um, thing might be like um, worshipping money as you know as a type of religion and where you know some people have said that the, the churches now have been replaced with shopping malls you know, it's all marble. You know, you go in there to the, the cash register is your altar. <laughs> That's your altar. That's your <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the altar of sacrifice. It's where you make your sacrifice. It's where they make their sacrifice to you, I think. And I know what I'm So that makes you the high priestess. <laughs> Yes, yes. That's another way that... I concur completely, yes. <laughs> That's another way that people can misdrew religion for irreligion, irreligion for religion. Very good. Also, back in text 25, it says, without...
perform for future fondling. So performing actions without, you know, thinking about don't care. Right. Expect them in their next life. No, I'm worried about now. I'm worried about now. Am I going to enjoy today? You know, that's that's ignorance. Yes. Then ignorance. The next one, that understanding which considers irreligion to be religion and religion to be irreligion under the spell of illusion and darkness and strives always in the wrong direction, Opartha is in the mode of ignorance. Hmm. Yes, we're not working for our best interest. We're working against our best interest. Uh, and we're accepting those activities as 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 what is the right, is the proper utilization of our intelligence. Could that also be in this day and age, um, like animal slaughter? I feel like that are done in quote-unquote religious ceremonies. You know, some people, they, some traditions, they still slaughter, you know, sacrifice, sacrifice animals, and yeah. goats. And, uh, yes, your voodoos, voodoo religions, some, yeah. Just because in this day and age, sacrificing an animal is not recommended. And they're at, right, and they're, but their objective control. is what? To control another living entity? To put a hex on somebody? Things like that. These are not religious activities at all. These are simply, they're, they're sacrifices that are completely in ignorance because their goal is what? Their goal is not for anyone's well-being. Their goal is to, does that explain it enough? Could we move on? Or do you want to go deeper? <laughs> I have seven minutes left, so, you know. Give him a break. All right. Now we're talking about determination. That de de determination which is unbreakable, which is sustained with steadfastness by yoga practice, and which thus controls the activities of the mind, life, and senses is determination in the mode of goodness, but that determination by which one holds fast a fruit of results in religion, economic development, such gratification is in the mode of passion. And that determination which cannot go beyond dreaming, fearfulness, lamentation, moroseness, and illusion, such unintelligent determination, O son of Prita, is in the mode of darkness. Determination which is unbreakable. Kind of hard for us to conceive of in this day being so determined to obtain our spiritual spiritual advancement, unbreakable. But it's not beyond our reach. We shouldn't think unbreakable. We have, we have I know there's very little for us to look at, uh, but there's examples. Like now there's some big tennis competition and the determination required by those athletes what did I see? the hours. longest game ever played three days yeah, what kind of determination to be victorious now if an athlete a simple athlete can have that kind of determination <laughs> To fight on and on and on and on, day and night. Of course, when the lights of the sun goes off, they don't turn on stadium lights there, so they get to take a break. 
But what determination? Or other determination? I just saw another thing. The determination to live that you're stuck in your basement and you do some dumb thing and you, you know, get your arms stuck in a furnace and you, the only way to survive is to cut your arm off. What kind of determination to live? I'm so determined. We don't hate, we, it's, it, yes, some determination is required for us to advance in spiritual life. What's the determination? Well, right now we have a pretty simple program. We've set up a simple program of determination here. Every two weeks you come and you eat. Every week you come and we have a little kirtan in a class. Every day you chant a little bit. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Every day. Steadfast. Not three days in a row chanting, not stopping like these guys on the tennis court. Not a painful program where you have to chop your arm off to survive. No, you come here and you take prasadam. Not so difficult. We associate with devotees. We read these books. We immerse our intelligence in spiritual knowledge, in Krishna's pastimes. Now, next week we're going to get into enjoyment. And if you read ahead, then you know that in the beginning, it may be difficult. Verse 36, right? In the beginning, the happiness may not be happiness. Although it is real happiness, it leads to spiritual happiness. Uh, it's like a disease, material existence. What disease is, the mo is used mostly? Jaundice. And what's the symptoms of jaundice? Yes. And what, what is the tongue's experience? What is the reversal of the tongue's experience when we have this disease? It doesn't taste sweet at all. What's the cure for jaundice? Sugar. You're taking something sweet. You are in a disease condition. It doesn't taste sweet. But the more of this medicine of sugar you take, all of a sudden the disease abates and the taste becomes sweet again. We are spiritual by nature. We are lovers of the Supreme Lord. Nitya Siddha Krishna Prema. Nitya Siddha Krishna Prema. Nitya, eternal, Siddha, perfection, Nitya, Siddha, Krishna, Prema. We are in a loving relationship, the topmost loving relationship, Prema. It doesn't get higher. Oh, it grows unlimitedly, and it's ever, it's ever joyful to taste. Nitya, Siddha, Krishna, Prema, Sadyukabhudaya. Our position is that our true perfection, our true eternal reality is Krishna Prema. In the beginning, because 
we have a disease of material existence, the chanting may be difficult. But coming here and associating and listening to class, well, I know that's difficult, and I really appreciate that you tolerate my classes. I do the best I can. Now, Archie's Prashadam, that's pretty easy. These simple things, though, we do this without cutting off our arms, without going through 11-hour marathons. We do this little bit with a little determination, and we can, in this very life, perfect ourselves. It's a pretty easy program. Nine basic processes, which we will go into next week in more detail. I'll complete this week's class. Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu, Svaranam Padasevanam. These are spiritual activities. And just a fragrance, just a whiff of these spiritual activities is in and of itself enough, even unbeknownst. Bhakti Devi is so potent, so spiritual powerful, spiritually powerful that just a little fragrance of these activities of pure spiritual life, Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu, Smarnam Padasevanam, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmani, Vedanam. These nine processes of devotional service, pure devotional service, even when performed with an ulterior motive, in, are in and of themselves sufficient to drive us to the topmost perfection of spiritual realization. I'll stop there. Any questions, comments, additions? Yes, ma'am. Is Bhakti Devi personality? Yes. Can you say a little something about her? Well, ultimately, ultimately the topmost, the great Acharyas have all concluded that ultimately the topmost manifestation of Krishna's enjoying potency is Srimati Radharani. Uh, she is the queen of the Supreme Lord. Is a shakti of ultimately Srimata Radharani. The whole spiritual atmosphere. Now in the spiritual realm there's there is a lot of a lot of knowledge to be had of that realm, but ultimately we see we even see Guru is a manifestation of her mercy because she is the one that is pulling us to Krishna's service and it's under her the direction of her intimate associates that we will be given entrance and, and asked to, to enter into that realm if we're so fortunate to please their Krishna's servants Das Das Anu Das we don't try to approach the Supreme Lord directly. We try to approach by serving the servant of the servant of the servant. Just like if you wanted to see a very great personality. Generally, those kind of people, you need to have an introduction by someone who knows them. And that may be very difficult to, to obtain. 
But if somehow or other you can do something to, for, for the benefit of their intimate associate, then they immediately take notice. If I'm a rich and influential man and my son is in distress and you somehow end that distress and bring him home to me, uh, what do you want? What can I give you? doesn't matter your position. You could be a bum in the street. But if, you're in, if you do that kind of intimate service. So that's kind of our hope. Although we're in this material world hopeless of actually coming into contact with the Supreme uh, due to our fallen condition, still we're hoping against hope that somehow or other I can serve, some of, serve a devotee of Krishna in such a way that Krishna will take notice. That makes sense. Anything else? Thank you so very much. Hare Krishna.